Hey, everybody, welcome back to Signal Flow, a show by Avixa geared towards bridging that gap between the AV and IT communities. You know, one of the biggest challenges, at least for me, is trying to figure out what everything means, right? You, you hear a lot of words like IPMX, uh, SMPTE 2110, you hear about WebRTC, SRT, LRT, and it feels like you can go on forever about some of these standards. And, you know, especially as somebody who's newer to the industry or maybe someone who historically uh, hasn't had to deal with a lot of these protocols, naturally there are some questions that arise. So today I want to talk about some of the best practices uh, as well as kind of educate a little bit more on what some of that uh, some of those protocols actually look like and stand for. So brought someone on today who's way smarter than me, which is always the secret sauce uh, and having a good show. And that's Alberto Sieri over from Matrox. Alberto, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Yeah. Hi, Ben. Nice nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Look, Alberto, the cool thing about Matrox and the perspective that you have is not only do you work a lot on the, the broadcast distribution side, but you also do so much work on the enterprise installation, IT signal flow management side. And I think you have a really great perspective at uh, kind of breaking down that that wall a little bit that exists in those communities. So if you would just kind of set the table for us, right? I mentioned some of those protocols earlier that that a lot of people might be really confused about. What are some of the core differences, you know, or some open source or some proprietary? What are the some of the things that, that people need to know about these standards before we dive in? Yeah, in fact, there are there are a lot of um of standards out there or a lot of different ways of doing AV over IP, that's for sure. Um, and yes, uh, you know, we've been at Matrox a long time and have been able to to see both sides of things, both the broadcast workflows and different workflows that are required at the AV enterprise level. And fundamentally, there, there are some manufacturers that have some very good protocols, but they're extremely close. You can only get it from them. They're, 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 they're not open at all. So they, they create a lot of times some islands and they lock in uh, customers to their to their technology. You can't really mix and match um you gotta buy everything from them they usually sure they work to get well because of course they're c controlling everything but it doesn't allow people to pick you know things like best in breed uh it doesn't allow them to um you know basically uh, connect different types of technologies uh if well, like for we just survive one of these you know dealing with supply chain issues if you're basically buying from one manufacturer it blocks you to get your project out the door because you got to wait for that manufacturer to be able to build more product. Whereas you're looking at different open standards, it, it, it gets rid of all those problems, right? It allows you to be able to pick best in breed, pick different manufacturers. It doesn't, it, it doesn't force you to have to throw away, you know, rip out the stuff that you have. You can do your projects in a much more systematic way. Now, so there's a lot of stuff out there. There's obviously closed ones. There are ones that are very open, such as what was, was developed on the broadcast side, which is uh, ST2110, which comes from uh, Simti, which is a, a totally open organization with a bunch of engineers who listen to the problems and, and contribute specs to it. So those are basically, if you follow standards like that, there aren't the same uh, fees that you, you would have if you're buying somebody where, where it's locked in. Um, and then there are other standards which um, have come from manufacturers. They, they come a little bit. They become a little bit de facto in the sense that they create alliances. So this is where uh, stuff like SRT has done as an encryption technology. When you want to send content to, to, over to the cloud or over the internet, you know they it was closed and they decided let's try to open it up, uh, make an alliance. But of course, it's still not a fully opened spec, right? It's part of a, it's still an alliance. It's not governed by a open community uh, like like SMPTE uh, or like SD twenty one ten. 
And what, what's been great is that that community has realized there is a need for the same thing on the AV side. Um, Matrox have, has been at the forefront of that, pushing forward, helping out in specifying the IPMX uh, format, um, which is based a lot on what ST2110 is, but with more of the, the requirements required for, for the AV side. Because ST2110 is fantastic for large broadcast facilities. It's built on a concept similar to how broadcasters work today with SDI, where everything is genlocked um, and synchronized. But in the world of AV, you don't know, it's much more of an asynchronous type uh, production. So that is not as required. So th there's so many things. There's NDI is another one. It was uh, started by a company called New Tech. Eventually they, they started creating it open. But again, you still have to pay license fees if you are building an NDI based product, especially if you're trying to create a, a transmitter. The, the receiver, they have a software model, so that's free. But, at least, but from a transmitter point of view, you have to pay. But they, at least they are finding, trying to get as many alliance partners as possible. But again, the full advantage of something that's totally open is that you, you don't have all those license fees. It's open source. Um, you could have many manufacturers building products. So you can build a best in breed type setup, depending on what your workflow and project is. Um, you, you have like what we believe in our, in our vision of the world, just can connect anything over a network is something that we believe strongly on. And even on like SRT, which is very good from a encryption point of view, sending content over the web. You know, Symphony is also promoting something called a wrist now, which is a, another form of sending encryption content over web, which will be open standard. Um, so in general, a lot of manufacturers, uh, you know, build technology, but for it to proliferate, to, for it to be everywhere so that anything can talk to each other, so that manufacturers, so that companies don't have to end up throwing out stuff every time they build a project, the ultimately that's the beauty of open standards. And that's where, uh, something like PMX is going. And it's really designing itself to be the most widest receiver out there. So there's going to be a lot of manufacturers that are going to be building um, products that will allow to bridge one IP network to another. So or people are going to make NDI to IPMX converters and the other way around, or uh, IPMX to SRT, and, uh, for example. Uh, you know, we are promoting one that will take analog or SDI content and bring to 2110 and IPMX as a form of averter, uh, but there are many different ones because IPMX is really positioning itself because it's open to support as many um, standards as possible. Well, I love that you draw that distinction too between uh, what I'll call the closed ecosystem proprietary stuff and the uh, almost like the hybrid proprietary, right? We talk about SRT, NDI maybe to a much greater extent feels a little bit more open source, but I, I think really those, those technologies were the catalyst for a lot of the the tech that you see now, right? You see Simpty obviously jumping in and, and, and creating IP standard, and, and IP IPMX now being uh, one of those standards that people are, are paying attention to. But you know, from a gear purchasing side, you know, what are some of the core differences? What does this mean for uh, maybe the buyer, the installer, and even the end user? Right? Does it make a difference in in your opinion? Uh, what standard they use? No, I, I mean that's the. Um... That's the whole point. I mean, the, the beauty of this type of technology is that it it, it doesn't force them to, to to sort of be to be locked in. It allows them to like it, with something like um, like IPMX. I was explaining it's a much more open. Uh, it's like a very wide receiver, uh, allowing you to. Um, it, it will be much more open, allow for many many different uh, conversions from one IP format to another. Um, 
Um, and also because it's part of that, that world of symptoms, there's also going to be software models to make it very easy for you to be able to discover your IP content on a network with what they call what we call NMOS. It's another open standard way of making sure that any um, um, appliance or anything you have on the network is discoverable and you can speak to it very easily. So being able to also for IT managers to put these networks together in a much easier way. Well, you look at the broadcast community as a whole, and, and I would say that the broadcast community uniquely has done a great job of uh, innovating and creating a lot of these standards that the traditional AV community is now adopting, right? So, you know, when you think about maybe a traditional installation uh, 10 years ago, it was largely probably more focused on internal distribution, right? So being able to send something from one room to another, being able to make sure that things were secure, you know, maybe via firewalls for, from one camera to another. But now we're seeing, obviously, more external-facing distribution as well, right? Things like multi-streams, things like having to make sure that you have the bandwidth to do, uh, you know, live conferencing, things like that. You know, make that distinction a little bit more, right? When you when you think about uh, the the building and decision-making process in a closed ecosystem versus an open ecosystem, you know, what does that look like and how are some of these standards helping inform that? Okay, so... Obviously, if you're working on a closed network, um, then it's all a question about how much bandwidth you have on your network, what kind of network you're building on. Is it a 1-gig network? Is it a 10-gig? Or in some cases, now there's a lot of 25-gig networks that you find on, on the broadcast side. They, depending on that and how many streams and what kind of resolution you want to work with, you either do or don't need um, uh, compression, right? So if you are uh, using a 1-gig type network, well, then, of course, there's a high probability you're going to need compression to send a lot of signals on your on your network. Um, if you are, um, you know, working in 4K, of course, you're most likely going to be using a 25 gig type, type network. If you want highest quality, you might even be working in uncompressed. So depending on the network that you're building, the type of content that you are dealing with and the amount of streams, that governs what type of uh, network you need and that governs what type of compression you need. And typically, you don't need to compress that much if you're on a network, unless you are a 1 gig network trying to about 4K content on it, then of course you have to look for something that's maybe H.264 based as a compression and so on. Now, when you're trying to communicate outside your network, which a lot of people do nowadays, right? Well, you know, a lot of times I always make a joke, what's broadcasting today? You know, like for my kids, YouTube is is is, is, is television for them, right? So uh, when you're trying to then do a lot of streaming, well, then you have to definitely look at doing more compression because you're probably going over the internet, internet, and uh, sorry, over the um, internet, and you definitely need then to worry about bandwidth. And then there's different types of protocols or inter, uh, com compression codecs to look at. For and, and in some cases, people are using H.264, and in other cases, people are using HEVC uh, if they're doing a lot of 4K and so on. So it, it really that you've got to look at that. So, um, in some cases, if you are doing live production. Uh, and you have some dedicated lines, uh, fiber lines, you might also look at JPEG XS as, as a way to not have to compress as much to keep the quality as good as possible because you're contributing to your production. So you always want to have best quality when you're contributing or when you're creating content. And, you know, when you're distributing the content, then, then you can look at a higher compression type codex. That's typically what we've seen from our customers. Well, that's that's a really helpful distinction, right? And I think especially too, as we have conversations about, you know, enterprise installations that are designed for video conferencing, that are designed for broadcasting in some cases, it's important to recognize some of those distinctions, right? Because 
the the form should follow the function in theory, right? If it's something that's that's designed to be more privatized internal, maybe you're looking at, at a diff- totally different ecosystem. But you know, we talked a little bit earlier about kind of the idea of of securing these networks, right? And any good IT professional, this is going to be one of the top two things that they ask about. You know, uh, you know, in, in in my opinion, you know. The, the IT world has done a great job, especially with some of these standards that have rolled out, of ensuring security, right? Obviously, everything still has a loophole. There's there's always, it seems like, ways to hack things. But, you know, one of the questions I want to ask is, especially when you live in a, a, a multi-video workflow or multi-distribution workflow system, what are some of the security concerns that you need to face and maybe pr- be preventatively installed? Yeah, so just before I, I get on that talk, I just want to go back a little bit to add one little comment to the concept of when you're trying to build a network where you're looking at different protocols and different formats. One other great advantage, I think, of something like IPMX, like I told you, was that like a wide receiver. Well, uh, what we're seeing is there's a lot of enterprise customers that are potentially have their doing their production in, ND, in NDI, but there's some, of the, some enterprise customers or universities and government are actually looking at building studios using actually ST2110. And that's another great uh, advantage of something like IPMX is based on ST2110. It really allows for easily to be able to either take content from meeting rooms and auditoriums and send it down to your production studio as a feed if you're trying to uh, do a production that includes feeds from different points in a facility uh, and also makes it very easy to then distribute that content internally if you need to have a, if you want to distribute internally within your facility. So. That's one thing I wanted to add to the concept of what we were talking about distributing content. Uh, and of course, then if you're going out streaming, well, then, then you're, you're probably going to start looking at H264 usage. I just want to add that comment. Now, getting back to security. Uh, security is very important, and it's at the heart of um, all the products that we that we build. It's, 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 it's fundamental, and that's why a lot of times we see from IT managers, they build sort of two networks, a network that's for their IT and then a network for their, their media, right? To sort of separate them and to create some security between. And on the media side, you know, that's there's always a need to look at, um, you know, 802, uh, 802.1x is something that's key uh, and it's part fundamental to the products that we make, but it's also, it's a, it's a protocol to always take a look at. Uh, in fact, that uh, is looking at suppliers that are do constant net vulnerability testing to their equipment and making sure they're, they're kept up to date uh, is important when an IT manager looks for a supplier. And in fact, we just did a project with BMW and it's exactly that. They 100% did the vulnerability testing on our on our, on our products. Uh, it's it, sh- it should be something that all IT managers have to think about when they, they pick suppliers for their projects. Um, same thing when it comes to uh, IPv4 and IPv6. These are also new protocols that are important for network security. The other thing too is to looking at suppliers um, that also take into account where the product's manufactured. So we all are, uh, we have products that are, we use the TAA as our uh, um, standard to make sure all our products are built with you know non uh, products that don't break cybersecurity. So these are also things to look at when looking at a supplier, right? Do they have TAA? Um, do they have this different protocol like 802.1x and so on? Do they do the regular network vulnerability testing to their their products? Uh, these are all important important things to take take into account. Look, and, and we could go down a rabbit hole all day and talk about on network device security, right? You look at these these cameras and devices with built in NDI transferability things like that, and 
that's an entirely different conversation that we probably should save for a different day because there's a lot a lot of hoops you got to jump through there. But, you know, last question, obviously, we're, we're on an Avixa show, so I'd be remiss uh, as someone who is looking forward to Infocom this year. I've got to ask, what are you guys showing off this year at Infocom? Well, th- this year, uh, we're obviously we're going to be expanding and showing more of our latest um, IPMX-based um, AV over, over IP products, which is the Convert IP family. We have some new members in that family that we're going to be showing at the show. We're also launching a, a, a new family of um, display cards for customers that are building uh, AV over IP-type uh, video wall-type applications for uh, mission control-type uh, applications. Um, and showing the latest and greatest on our both our uh, K- IP KVMs. We have a new IP KVM matrix that we're showing at the show, and, um, and and we have new features coming on to our what we call our Mavix family, which is our uh, uh, multi-channel uh, encoder and, and decoder that's H.264 based, which is does very well in uh, applications that require both streaming and recording um, because of its capabilities. How it packets a multi-encoder on one on one box kind of thing. Well, look, Alberto, as I said earlier, there, there aren't many companies who are doing as well as you guys are bridging that gap between the broadcast, the hardcore traditional AV and the IT worlds. Uh, I want to commend you guys for doing that. And, and thank you really from the behalf of uh, from the my behalf, uh, as well as a number of the, the people in the AV community, right? The work that you guys are doing is really incredible. And, and we love to see some of those other uh, external, I wouldn't even say external, but tangential communities uh, outside of AV, really kind of come together uh, and share their knowledge. So we appreciate you coming on today. Absolutely. appreciate the, this opportunity and having this conversation. And uh, and like I said, I love to see what's going on with IPMX. Uh, we, we we were part of the main group pioneering, but we're not, there's a lot of new manufacturers joining. There'll be a lot of new products being shown at the show, including some uh, uh, LED, you know, uh, direct LED manufacturers that will natively support um an, an SD2110 and IPMX signal directly. So just making it a lot easier for, for people to integrate and put solutions together. So we're, we're really excited about what's going on and, and this strong interest in uh, open net, open standards, to be honest with you. We're looking forward to it. Well, we're fired up as a community, looking forward to a number of different ways to be able to leverage uh, IP standards and different technologies throughout the years. But uh, Alberto, thanks for coming on. And we thank you, the listener and the viewer, uh, for joining us as well today on Signal Flow. Thank you.